you know, like I'd come back to Australia thinking differently about the world and about money and all of these different things and all of a sudden, you know, we're having conversations and talking about contracts and trying to get a better price from the come from the coffee grower and, you know, trying to find the right balance between what's fair for everyone. Welcome to All Things Coffee. I'm your host, Alex McKendrick, and today we have our head of coffee, Adam Matheson. Is that the right name, way to pronounce your name? No, that's the first time I've heard that <laughs> um, pronunciation, Matheson. It's good. It makes me sound a little more, I don't know. Matheson. Upper class. It's Matheson. Or is it Matheson? It's not Matheson. It's Matheson. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. You learn something every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's lovely to have you on our podcast. We're excited to talk to you. Great to be here, man. Can you tell us a little bit about what your role actually is with Campos? So my title is Head of Coffee. Yep. Um, which which basically captures everything from green bean buying um, through to roasting. So my team and I hand the coffee over once it's roasted to another department, basically. Yeah, nice. So, yeah, um, all things green and brown <laughs> and a little bit of brewing as well. Yeah. Nice. That kind of sounds a little bit like my daughter's... Uh... Right. After she's had some... Uh, Stewed apple or something. Exactly. Or a little too much custard. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So, Adam, how, how did you get into coffee in the first place? Because you've been in it for quite a while now. Yeah, man. Um, I've been in coffee for almost 16 years. Wow. Um, and I got into coffee. I had in 2005, I turned 30 and went through a, my first of many midlife crisis, <laughs> crises. And um, my wife and I, we'd been to see a band. We had an epiphany and thought, let's just quit our jobs and move somewhere. So, wow, what was his band? Yeah. The band was called the Polyphonic Spree. Wow. I really recommend you, you look them up on YouTube. Um, there's like 30 people um, on stage and they, they inspire the audience like wow. they did for us they inspired yeah. us and we're like let's just move overseas so yeah we um got the globe spun it and just hit hit our finger on it and it landed on hanoi in vietnam no you didn't and we did i mean we didn't really know much about vietnam other than that there was a war and that there'd been a few movies iconic movies made about the war like platoon and good morning vietnam yeah. but that's all we knew so wow. um Six months later, we moved. We resigned. We rented out our apartment and moved there indefinitely. Wow. Um, and That's big. Yeah, yeah. So and how did I get into coffee? Vietnam's the second biggest producer of coffee in the world, mostly Robusta, so it wasn't really um, – I wasn't expecting it to be great. Mm. But um, I met a, an old friend over there, a guy I used to play soccer with. Right. And he was living in Hanoi too. And um, we started hanging out and, yeah, basically I didn't work much. My wife worked a lot. <laughs> I didn't work so much and neither did real nice. my mate Dave didn't work much either. So we just <laughs> rode motorbikes around and drank coffee all day. Wow. And um, the more coffee I drank, the more I got thinking and talking about coffee. And we had said we are not moving back to Sydney until – we know what we really want to do. We want to do something that we love, that we're passionate about. And 
in my two years over there, I concluded that coffee was something I was probably passionate about. And when I moved back to Sydney, I'm just going to get into coffee. I didn't care at what level. Money wasn't a motivator anymore. I'd gone a little bit a little bit Zen Buddhist while I was over there and I just thought, no, life's more about money and life's about being happy and doing something you love. So, yeah, came back to Sydney and in the first week I sent out a dozen emails and I only got one response and it was from um, Will who was who owned Campos at the time. Right. And um, I emailed Campos and I thought there's no way that they're going to get back to me like they're at the time they were they wasn't like the number one destination in food and beverage in Sydney I'm sure I think they were the top of some list and um, I just didn't think it was possible because I, th- I, I thought you would need experience to get into a place like that so yeah but yeah he was the only one that got back to me and he said come in drop by tomorrow and we'll have a chat so yeah so from that point that was 2007 yeah right, and um, yeah, I'm a I'm a one company guy so far in coffee. I've been I've been with um, with them ever since. Right. So, what role did you apply for? Did you put, you know, barista, roaster? What did you do? Um, at the time, it was just the cafe. There was a small roastery in Chippendale. It was a shared space. So, mm-hmm. I just kind of thought, oh, I'd like to learn more about coffee. At the very least, I'll be able to make better coffee. For myself at home um so i thought yeah i'll just go in learn how to be a barista maybe part of me thought i might like to open my own cafe one day mm-hmm. it's probably thinking that a bit i was studying at the time and and it just seemed yeah i'll learn more about coffee and see where it takes me um so yeah so i started off as a a barista i didn't do much baristering i did i did milks and i made some Smashing baby chinos and and <laughs> things like that, but yeah, I didn't get, didn't delve deep into the art of being a barista. Yeah, right. So, with that like application that you had, did you put down some of those Buddhist beliefs? The, I'm in here for, you know, not for profit. I'm here for learning my experience. I want to kind of do something that has meaning behind it. Did you actually put that there, or was that like because that seems some maybe a connection back to Will, right? Yeah, no, I did. I had to, you know, like I was earning, I was earning about a quarter of what I was earning before I moved overseas. Yeah, right. And I still had a mortgage, like it was still really tough. But yeah, I had to, had to think beyond that and, um, and, and other things. I mean, I'm a, I'm an introvert and, you know, that, that store at that time was packed every day especially on Saturdays there'd be a line around the corner so this wall of people watching you like people used to go there just to watch the baristas do what they were doing so I really struggled with the um attention you know did didn't really um um feel good or natural in that that setting so I had to kind of you know draw on a bit of uh (laughs) bit of my zen mind (laughs) Um, at times to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. So wh- tell us your story then through how you went through campus to kind of where you are today. So you said you started off as kind of a barista, but how long did that last for? And, you know, where did that kind of position evolve you and take you to? Mm, okay. So a year to the day at Newtown at the cafe, I just thought, I can't do this. Like this is, we're doing like 
almost 60 hours a week. It was from 6 a.m. till 5 p.m., working Saturdays. And it was really hard. Like it, uh, I I struggled to to get through that year. I lost a lot of weight. Um, yeah, I was so far out of my comfort zone, but I was determined to do a year. Um, and a year to the day, you know, I had I just had a chat to Will after work, and I said, I really love this company, love working for you, but I don't think I can do this um, for much longer. And he said, You fancy being a roaster, or learning about roasting i'm yeah. like yeah that'd be great like it's it's not in, it's not customer facing it's a little more you and your own mind and the roaster and the, you know all of the um the things that you expect roasting to be oh you're crafting and yeah you know all of these words that people use so um yeah he said well how about tomorrow you just go to the roastery instead <laughs> of coming here i'm like wow yes great so i did that and was that a um, challenging conversation to bring up with him or was it kind of quite natural? Um, I think I was so exhausted and and I'd probably had to work really hard to get through the last few months of that year that I was probably just exhausted. I'm like, oh. I, so it was probably quite easy because I knew it was coming and I, prob- I had probably prepared myself mm-hmm. a little bit for that conversation. But I also know, I knew Will well enough to know that he was a pretty chill guy and and that we liked each other he liked the way i worked and um yeah like luckily he wanted to keep me around nice so yeah. you went into roasting and was that in chippendales what you're saying before so my very first day with campus was in chippendale at the roastery but uh-huh. then then i did the year at the cafe yep. but um by that time over that year we had moved into our own roasting space at alexandria okay so I fronted up to Alexandria the next day. And was that a team of five, ten? Like what, 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 who was there and how did that kind of, you know, go? Yeah, it was a small team. We had, we had a head roaster. We had one driver mm-hmm. who, who just did, you know, a handful of deliveries uh, each week and one or two guys that um, did the packing. Yeah, Pack, nice. you know, bagging coffee, boxing it up and sending out orders. We weren't doing online orders or anything. Mm-hmm. Did we even have the internet back then? I think <laughs> we did, yeah. But we didn't have we didn't have an online store. That was so that was two thousand and seven. There was no online store that came maybe a few months after. But yeah. Yeah, right. And so were you were the second roaster. So I yeah, I did a few other like I'd cover the head roasters lunch breaks and, and did a few hours here and there. And then the good thing was I got to roast the coffee and then go and bag it and then look at someone's order and package it and yeah it was it was nice like i i kind of did all of that stuff um and and over time as we grew i just did more and more roasting yeah right and we started growing you know as you yeah. do yeah. so how do you then go from you know roaster to head of coffee well um so we grew, so we needed more people, but people also left and mm-hmm. people wanted to do their own things or, or maybe just um, uh, moved overseas or whatever it was. Um, so the head roaster left and um, Will, Will said, you've got to be the head roaster. And I'm like, yes, please. Like, <laughs> you know, as daunting as it was, you know, um, yeah, I became the head roaster and had hired someone to roast with me part-time. Um, so I was head roaster for maybe seven or eight years 
and in that time we grew uh, tenfold. You know, we we bought extra machines, and and the volume just doubled, and then tripled, and then doubled again, um, until we had a team of eight roasters right. and four machines. Um, but yeah, during that time, early on, you know, Campos decided that they didn't want to buy coffee from local suppliers. They wanted to go and source that coffee um, themselves, you know. So um, a lot of extra work kind of came up that I got involved in around buying coffee um, and, and everything that goes with buying coffee. It's not just travelling to farms. It's working out how to get it here and how to get it through customs and, you know, dealing with freight forwarders for the first time and having to find space in our warehouse to store it and get pallet racking in and all of these things, all these new problems that arose. So, yeah, I was involved in a lot of that as well. Probably spent half my time roasting and half my time dealing with this new beast of a thing, this importing of green beans, you know. So that kept me pretty busy. So having that experience with the green beans from early on and travelling to Origin a lot with Will and, and still doing roasting and cupping, um, all of it kind of over that time and that experience just, I guess, prepared me to be head of coffee, you know, the person that oversees all of that, um, which which felt kind of natural. And I felt as I got older, I should probably be, step, be stepping into that kind of role, you know. Um, yeah. Did you find that challenging, like stepping up into those roles and like, what kind of things did you find challenging in that kind of area if you did find it challenging? Yeah, it was a bit challenging. I mean, you know, trying to, um, you know, like I'd come back to Australia thinking differently about the world and about money and all of these different things and all of a sudden, you know, we're having conversations and talking about contracts and trying to get a better price from the, come from the coffee grower and, you know, trying to find the right balance between what's fair for everyone, you know. Mm. So not, not taking advantage of um, anyone in, in the coffee chain, which, which you know, Will was never going to do. You know, he was all about um, everyone, you know, like conscious capitalism, everyone being um, elevated and benefiting from what, what we're doing, you know. So that was great to see because that's how I felt, you know, like, We've got to make sure this is fair, f- not just for us, but for everyone. Mm. And and I saw that every day, and I saw it at Origin, and um, and I saw it in the workplace, and that was just yeah, that was great. That's when I knew I was in the right. I was working for the right guy, and with the right people. Mm. It yeah. is pretty amazing, right? That like how important that is to have people like yourself with that mindset in businesses because you know life isn't about money it's not about all you can gain it is actually about finding meaning and finding purpose and feeling like you can contribute to society in a really powerful way like and like you're saying like you know you found a business where you can actually bring that to life like bring out those core values those core like identity truths that you found in yourself yeah, and actually bring that out through, you know, your day to day life, and what an empowering thing to do. Mm. Yeah, so, it was. you know, how how have you kind of you know kept that belief system 
throughout your career? Like, because that's not probably an easy thing to do. Yeah, I think um, I was definitely pulled along for the the ride as well. Like, I was, you know, I had my own thoughts about these things, and and I learned a lot from from the people I worked with and the things that I saw and the way the way we dealt with the people um, further down the chain. Um, whether it was, you know, just watching how, you know, um, Will spoke to a group of coffee producers in Rwanda under a tree. We just, we'd, we'd been on this canoe for about two hours across a lake and there was this group of people waiting and singing and watching, watching him talk to those people and being involved in that just kind of pushed it to another level, things like that. And and the other social projects that we're involved in and, and the people, some really inspirational people that I work with who are always planting thoughts and and um, challenging thoughts and, um, yeah, that kind of um, kept kept me on that path of, of sort of thinking that way and thinking more about the collective and, you know, social good and, and positive impact of of what, what I do. Mm. Yeah. How, how would you encourage, I guess, people out there to, I don't know, live that out? Because I think a lot of people out there want to do that mm. or deep down feel like they need to do that. They sometimes don't know how to actually implement it. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think about this stuff a lot. I've got a 14-year-old son and I'm always trying to say, you know, be the good guy, do the right thing, be good to people, help people if you see someone that needs a hand or, you know, needs to sit sit down on the bus or needs a hand getting on the bus, like help them, mm. you know. And I always say to him, it, it earns you karma points, you know. <laughs> the more karma points you get, the better off you are, you know. And the those times where you might do the wrong thing or maybe um, bully someone or, or take advantage of someone, I said, you're going to lose points for that, you know. And if you lose too many points, you know, you, it's going to catch up with you, man. And, and you're going to at some point suffer in some sort of way you know it's a it's a pretty kind of um, strange way to look at things but I, I'd like to simplify that for myself I definitely um, live by the the rule of karma like I, I do think that things put positive energy out there and it'll come back and and reward you someday and whenever I feel like I'm uh, having some hard luck and things aren't going my way I think yeah that's that's karma coming back from from things I might have done when I was younger or, um, yeah. I really love the thing that you said about your son, like treating everyone right. And I think I think it is about bringing humanity to all things like and bringing that kind of mindset. And I've been thinking about it a lot as well. Like, you know, how do you continue to everything you do, treat it as if like you're – got someone right in front of you that you care and love for like how would you treat that person how would you Mm -hmm. like kind of consciously do that and it Mm -hmm. kind of does bring it back to that feeling of going man like yeah this this is actually going to bring positive influence outfluence like radio waves whatever you want to call it Mm. energy yep to to the world around you for sure i think that's really cool like cool way to think about it it spreads like if if i if i buy someone at the bus stop a coffee who looks like they need a coffee, that's going to spread. Like it's maybe just going to 
flip their mood if they were in a bad mood. It's just going to flip it and, and maybe they'll go and do something mm. or speak a little nicely to someone. Whereas if I hadn't bought that coffee, maybe they would have had some sort of conflict, <laughs> you know, like it spreads. I really believe that. I think that's like you were saying, like it that happens in day-to-day life in your work environment, you know, like even just treating suppliers well or having the right conversations in a manner that's going to treat them with respect and honour um, is going to spread. Mm-hmm. It's going to spread throughout their community, spread throughout their production, their quality, all those kind yeah. of things that, you know, we mm. love. And, yeah, I think that's a really unique perspective. And I guess it kind of leads me on to the next thing of going like, well, you know, that's how you kind of lived your life in the past. But how do you see, you know, the future? How do you see the future of coffee or your role or I guess, yeah, your role in coffee? <laughs> yeah, oh, it's a great question. Um, my role... You know, I guess uh, yeah, as, a, as someone who's been in the industry for a long time, it kind of means I'm, I'm getting older and the older I get, um, you find yourself, you know, getting involved in, you know, leadership teams and maybe, maybe even um, being on a board at, at times, which I've done, I've been lucky enough to, to do. Um, so I guess the future is doing, you know, maybe things like that and, and, mentoring new people in in coffee i really love doing that i like education and teaching people um and and um helping them learn from my mistakes like these are these are the mistakes i made like and and you can avoid that if, if you do things this way you know i love well, i've got such an amazing team here and they've all kind of come in they're all about 10 or 15 years younger than me and i really enjoy seeing them progress hmm. so i think maybe that's my future um, is getting the next generation um, taken along and um, and education. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's where the future probably lies for me and that would excite me as well. That, that sort of stuff excites me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What a value. So where do you see then the future of coffee? Future of coffee, um, a lot of challenges. I think, you know, everyone would you know realize that there's a an environmental challenge that the world is facing so how does that affect coffee it will affect coffee it will be a negative impact and people are you know responding to that already and predicting what might happen and what they can do now um i think coffee i don't like to talk in waves but um what i'm seeing a lot of now is is innovation yeah, coffee producers are some of the most innovative people. Um, whenever I'm at Origin, I just see them. I just think, man, like you're just thinking so far out of the box. Like you guys do not play it safe. Um, they're always thinking of new ways to, um, you know, process coffee or ways to be more efficient, sure, but also ways to add value to their coffee and do exciting things. And, yeah, so I see a lot more innovation Um I do think, you know, for my generation, robusta has always been a, a word that people in, in specialty coffee have turned their noses up at and, and looked down upon. But I, I'd like to think that as demand starts to outgrow supply, a lot of us are going to uh, need to start looking towards other species of coffee like robusta. And, um, you know, people 
in, in robusta producing countries. They're ahead of the game. They've been working on specialty grade robusta for a while. So, you know, we've seen a bit of it in, in our time pass through the lab. So, yeah, that that's really impressed me and excited me. So I think, I think we might see um, a change of view on robusta in mm. the future. I don't know to what degree, but I think more people will start to think, yeah, it's not, it's not a dirty word. There's actually really good quality robusta out there and we should, should be a little bit fairer when we talk about it. It is funny, hey, yeah. that the word robusta feels like the naughty word. Yeah. The word you don't say, you get a slap yeah. on a wrist from your mum for That's saying fine. it. No, like, we only wash drink. your mouth out with soap. <laughs> yeah, we only drink 100% Arabica. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is interesting and I think that's the exciting thing. You know, like I think there's so much more to discover with coffee and I think it's one of the beauties of it almost being, I guess, still at kind of a, a younger stage of its life cycle and like, you know, there's so many things and so many pa- so much passionate people involved in the industry that are mm. always looking at just such unique ways of doing things. And yeah. I think that's a really special industry to be a part of. Mm, for sure. So I guess we want to ask, like we have a lot of people that kind of ask these questions about how, how do I get involved in company like Campbell's or how do I get involved in, in coffee and I guess coming from the head of coffee what would some of your suggestions be for people out there um, be patient <laughs> it's probably the thing I say most be patient and and bide your time you know time usually brings what you you know are looking for you know and I was patient and and um waited for my opportunities and, and sometimes the cards fell my way and, you know, I was lucky enough to be with a company that grew very rapidly, you know. But, um, yeah, be patient, you know, do the extra things, you know. We've got our head roaster, um, one of the nicest guys on the planet. When he started for us, he was in the packing area. He knew how to roast but he, he, he just wanted a foot in the door so he was packing. But he came in an hour early every day to do cupping with us because he loved coffee and he wanted to learn from us. And, yeah, not everyone can come in an hour early. That's, that can be challenging for people but uh, he was able to and it just it just accelerated his progression within the company because it showed that he cared and that he was prepared to, to do more and he was always the first person to put his hand up to do extra or to learn more. So... Don't, don't just stick to your lane, like get involved in other things and show people that you're willing to learn and you're willing to help. Mm-hmm. And I think that will get you to where you want to be a little bit quicker than if you didn't do those things. Man, I feel like, you know, those three things are, you know, pillars for life to be built on is be patient, be willing to learn, be willing to help. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a pretty nice summing up of, your karma points, I guess. That's it. Yeah, get those <laughs> get those karma points out there. That's it. Well, they are. I really do think that those, like you know, three pillars are really, you know, yeah. great advice for anyone looking out there to be involved in the coffee mm. industry in the future. Yeah, and it's really simple, right? Like, it's not asking too much of people. No. Yeah. Well, thanks, Adam. We really appreciate your time. We thank you for you know sitting down with us and sharing your your story and sharing it, sharing us some of your perspectives of the future. Um, you know, thanks for having us. Oh man, it's been a pleasure. I'm really um, enjoying it. Thanks man. Cheers.